walked out of that room and I walked out of my career, my international career. It's widely believed that this is the phone that has changed phones forever. Turning to our top story this morning, and that is confirmation of the first case of COVID-19 in the Republic. We are, of course, in News Talk every day looking at the 20 most influential moments of the first 20 years of the millennium. I'm joined now to discuss one such moment, the election of Donald Trump by Seth Barrett Tillman, lecturer in Maynooth University Department of Law. Seth, do you believe that the election of Donald Trump as president in the United States was one of the most influential moments of the start of this millennium? Well, I don't think we know quite yet. We're going to have to wait and see. There's the famous story about the Chinese diplomat who was asked about the French Revolution, whether it was an important moment in history, and he said it was too early to tell. Um, and that was two centuries later. He, he, he did uh, change really things, though. How, he, he mixed up the, the political establishment I, in America. He changed our way of discussing things. In the same way we look back at Thatcherite politics, perhaps, we will look back at Trumpian politics, too, I would suggest. I, I don't know. I mean, it's possible. Uh, like I said, I, I think we won't know until we see the results from Georgia and the results two and four years from now. If he changed things, it may have been a temporary blip or it may have been more long lasting. But I, I really do think it is too early to tell. I mean, the, the last election um, was very unusual by American standards. Usually the party that pulls out the presidency that gets the presidency does well down ticket. And it's, it's not all that clear that that happened. As a matter of fact, for a party that lost the presidency, the Republicans did surprisingly well at the state level and in the House of Representatives. So <clears throat> that's one argument that Trump was influential. On the other hand, it might be that <clears throat> the strength of the Republican Party is, was everything but Trump. And we're just going to have to wait and see. What do you say, Seth, to people who say that he, he coarsened discourse, his rhetoric was divisive, he exacerbated racial tensions in the States? The, that kind of legacy is what people sometimes refer to when they talk about Trump? Well, no, I, I, I think that's kind of silly. I think that's people just seeing what they want. Um, I don't think Trump coarsened um, anything in regard to United States politics. As a matter of fact, Trump in the last election uh, got more of the minority vote than he did in the prior election and more than most Republicans have got in, in my lifetime. Uh, Trump lost the election because his vote among the white vote collapsed. Uh, the United States is the same country, basically, that elected Obama and before Obama elected Clinton and Bush. And the idea that it goes from election to election in one year, it's a bunch of racists and another year, it's a bunch of progressives is really not what's going no, on. No, no, and, I, I, and I'm not suggesting that. I, I suppose the, the, that. the question is whether or not he exacerbated racial tensions, not that he, he created racism. Uh, I, and I think I've answered that. I, I don't think he exacerbated racial tensions at all. If he did, he wouldn't have done so well with the minority vote in the last election. I okay. mean, I just, I just don't think that's a believable narrative, given the actual results. His, his vote did climb, as, as you say, but it was, it was still a tiny minority of the minority. Would you say, if you were looking at his I, legacy, I, I, that there were I some stand, standouts? I don't, I don't understand how you could say there was a tiny minority. He got about a third of the minority vote, and Republicans usually only get, you know, 10 to 20, maybe 25 percent. So we're seeing different numbers and it's hard to get good numbers because polling is now... You know, it was nothing like a third of you know, the African, African-American voter. I mean, obviously he did, he did well in, in Florida with, with, with Cubans and Hispanics. But, but, but just before I let you go, for time reasons, if there were a sta- standout moment of his presidency, what would it be for you? 
there were a, a single standout moment? Well, I, I would say the single standout theme is that Trump told people what he thought. Um, and in that sense, he's different from a lot of American politicians we'd had up to now, which hedged. Uh, even if Trump changed his mind, as he certainly did from time to time, he told people what was on his mind. And I think that plain spoken politics, if it's a long lasting change, will only be positive. All right. Look, thank you for speaking to us this morning. That is Seth Barrett Tillman, lecturer in Maynooth University in the Department of Law on that uh, Ooh, election it, of Donald Trump. And there it will, was influential. And there will be more coverage of Trump's presidency throughout the day on News Talk. Pat Kenny will be speaking to Mike Emanuel, chief congressional and senior political correspondent at Fox News. Yeah, it was. It's changed politics forever. And we will have our Donald Trump. I have no doubt about that. I think it's changed it forever. Not for the not for the good. I hasten that. I, I I would hope that we won't. And and I, I I agree with you that it's changed it. And I do think the discourse was coarsened. But do you not think that perhaps we're rowing back from that now with the election of Joe Biden mm. a little bit? We would hope. Yeah, I'm not convinced. I think we'll have our Donald Trump. I think it's only a matter of when. <laughs> It's time now for our special series exploring News Talk's 20 most influential moments of the past two decades. Every day, across the station, we look back at a different moment chosen by you, the News Talk listeners. And now we're looking back to November 2016 and a day that's indelibly marked in most people's memories, the day that Donald Trump was elected to succeed Barack Obama in the White House. What has the Trump presidency meant for America? Well, one man who's watched all the action from the front row is Mike Emanuel, Chief Congressional and senior political correspondent at Fox News. Good morning, Mike, and welcome. Pat, I'm honoured to be here. Thank you for having me. I'll just alert our listeners to the fact that there is a little delay on uh, the line. And, and by the way, I should also tell them that, you know, we're often accused of getting our news only from CNBC or CNN. But Fox News is now available in Ireland uh, via the Fox News international streaming platform. So uh, that's good news for diversity of uh, source. Uh, Mike, the, today, it's early morning in the United States, but uh, what is the sense after the Electoral College finally counted out 306 for Joe Biden, 232 for Donald Trump? My sense is that most Americans think the election is now over, that Joe Biden will be our next president on January the 20th, and that uh, Donald Trump will have the remaining weeks to basically wrap up his affairs, uh, looking ahead to what he's going to do post the White House, and uh, we were, look, were looking ahead to a transition to a new team. Uh, a lot of the names we're hearing are people who served under Barack Obama. Uh, they're people that Joe Biden has been very comfortable working with over the years of the Obama administration. So there are a lot of familiar names coming back, but um, I think a lot of Americans are feeling like a transition is fully underway now that the Electoral College has said that Joe Biden has enough support to be the next president. Now, many people have a, a characterization of Fox News as being extremely right wing, but there are two separate elements to Fox News. I mean, there are the talk show hosts like Sean Hannity, and then there are you guys who are in the newsroom and who pride yourselves on an accurate reporting of what's going on. 100%. Yeah, I, I, my job is to do the news to the best of my ability to present both sides of stories. Um, I covered the Obama White House for years. I covered the Bush White House, uh, George W. Bush White House. Um, I, you know, I cover Republicans. I cover Democrats. I traveled with Hillary Clinton a lot in the 2016 campaign cycle. And so I just cover both sides to the best of my ability. Uh, my bosses ask me as a member of the news team 
not the opinion team, but the news team at Fox, you know, am I covering all sides? Am I being fair? And that's my job. And so my dream was to get into the news business and cover the news uh, to the best of my ability. And I've been blessed with great opportunities to travel across the United States and really all over the globe. And so I'm grateful. But, you know, that involves basically doing the stories as fairly as possible and, uh, you know, presenting all sides of the story to the best of my ability. Now, Fox uh, Network has been kind of characterized as cheerleaders for uh, Donald Trump. And then, uh, as you know, Fox called it uh, early uh, in some of the swing states and was criticized by Donald Trump for it. It must have been a strange reaction to have the president, uh, having praised Fox all the way through, suddenly turn on Fox in the, I suppose, the dying days of his presidency. Well, Pat, as a news person, you know, I think we we faced a dilemma. Do you tell your audience the truth or do you tell your audience what they want to hear? And some of our audience wanted to hear that Donald Trump had a chance to win another four years. But our news team had information suggesting that Joe Biden was winning some of these critical states. And it's a very competitive environment. Uh, There are, you know, all these television networks doing election night coverage And so if we thought we had the better information saying that Joe Biden was indeed winning, um, our bosses made the decision to go with it. Some of our audience is upset with us. There's no doubt about that. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, But, you know, I think over time, hopefully they understand we told them the truth. Because if you tell them what they want to hear and it doesn't work out, well, then I think you lose credibility. And on election night, I remember it well. I watched the whole thing unfold. And um, you called it for Arizona early before CNN dared do such a thing. Exactly. Our team invested heavily in making sure, because remember 2016, uh, when we all thought Hillary Clinton was going to be the next president of the United States, the polls all said that. And then it didn't turn out. We got information eventually once they counted the votes that said that Trump had won all these states, or a lot of them. And so this time around, Fox invested heavily in making sure that we had better data in all these critical states so we could make more accurate calls as early as possible. And so Arizona was a prime example. It's a place that Republicans traditionally win in this country. Uh, This time around, our data showed that it was going Joe Biden's way. Uh, Obviously, it was very upsetting to President Trump and a lot of his team and his supporters because they were counting on winning Arizona in terms of delivering him another term in the White House. And so if Arizona was going to Joe Biden, it looked like it was going to be a bad night for President Trump. Uh, But bottom line, my bosses thought that they had better information suggesting that Joe Biden was going to be winning Arizona. And so we went with it early in the evening, and some of the viewers were upset, but it has turned out to be a correct prediction and one that we have not had to retract, and it was critical to Joe Biden ultimately winning the election. Um, What uh, do you as as news reporters make of the way Donald Trump has uh, behaved since um, it became apparent that he didn't have either the popular vote or command of the Electoral College to retain the presidency, but lawsuit after lawsuit, the antics of Rudy Giuliani and others. Um, as news reporters, how do you kind of parse that for your viewers? Well, I think, 
you know, we have to be honest also, like, what, what were the opportunities to potentially win? And so as different legal cases were brought forward by the president's team, we covered them. Um, but then we also were quick to cover when judges said that this is not a legal argument that's going to change the result. And so I think it was just being aggressive in terms of making sure that we were covering all the relevant cases that could have perhaps changed a result. They didn't change a result. And so I think we were upfront and honest with our audience that it does not look like this is a path to victory for President Trump. Um, again, it upset him and some of his team that it wasn't working out. Um, obviously, he worked very, very hard for months to win another four years in the White House. He felt like after four years in the White House that he was deserving of another term. Um, the American people decided to go. A, a certain percentage of the American people decided to go in another direction. So it is our job as news people to cover the facts as we know them. Uh, I think to be as transparent and honest with the audience as possible. And, you know, sometimes they like our stories and sometimes they don't. What about the Trump phenomenon? I mean, was Donald Trump uh, in his campaign originally in 2016 uh, and subsequently in the White House, was he tapping into something that is uh, real in America or did he fashion many of his voters in his own likeness? I think there's no question that he tapped into something big in this country that a lot of people all throughout this big country think that Washington, D.C. is not working for them, that they think that the political class in this country is, you know, basically lining their own pockets, is, is looking out for their own interests. And there were a lot of small towns across America that felt like Washington, D.C., the nation's capital, had forgotten about, forgotten about them and that the political class was not helping them. And so I think there were a lot of people looking at the 2016 election who said, okay, Hillary Clinton, we know her. Her husband was an eight-year president of the United States. She was secretary of state of the United States. She is part of the political class. The Clinton name is, is a big name in American politics, has been for, what, 30 years, maybe more. Um, and so... Basically, they looked at Donald Trump, businessman who didn't need the job for the money. He already had plenty of money, um, but wanted to do something to change America. And he found a way to really tap into something that a lot of people, you know, living outside of New York and Washington and Los Angeles were feeling that uh, Washington, D.C., the nation's capital, needed to be a lot more responsive to them, their families and their needs. Now, what about uh, what he's done to um, democratic institutions, I suppose? I mean, Bill Barr, his attorney general, who has supported the president in so many ways, and his letter of resignation last evening, I don't think I've ever read a letter so craven, but that's neither here nor there. Bill Barr told him it was over. There was no uh, unfairness in the voting system. Um, do you think that the American uh, democratic institutions proving themselves to be resilient, um, that that's okay? Or do they need now to start rebuilding uh, some of the confidence in those institutions? Uh, that's a great question. You know, I think there will be a process of, of rebuilding them to a certain degree. I think um, with a natural transition that we're going through where a new team will come in on January 20th working for a new president and Joe Biden, um, you know, that they will start to do new things in terms of running these institutions. For example, 
there will be a new attorney general. There will be a new director of the FBI. And, and so these people will take leadership of these institutions and move them forward and perhaps send a message to the rank-and-file people working in these government agencies that, you know, it's a new era and this is the direction we're going in. But I think over time, the American people ultimately will see, hopefully, that these institutions are working very effectively on behalf of the American people and, um, and very fairly um, that's something critical to our, our government going forward. And so um, hopefully, you know, with a new team, there will be new optimism and new hope that um, things are heading in the right direction. Yeah. And finally, Mike, the question of um, Trumpism, uh, is it the future of the GOP or is it a passing phenomenon? I think that's a brilliant question. Um, I think, you know, President Trump has not ruled out running again in four years, but four years is obviously a long time in American politics, and so we'll see where we are four years from now. Um, He's also not the youngest man. He's got tremendous energy, but he's not a very young man. So is he holding out the possibility of running in four years because he wants to run again? Perhaps. Uh, The other option may be that he wants to be a kingmaker that he may want to look at the various Republicans who are running or considering running and to anoint one as the heir to the Trump legacy. Um, And so I think that's going to be something we'll be watching very carefully. Uh, Obviously, a lot of American presidents, when they leave, I covered George W. Bush and Barack Obama, when they left office, they were pretty quiet for the most part for quite a while, letting their successor get settled into the office uh, it'll be interesting to see if Donald Trump, who's on Twitter all the time, if he's quiet, allowing Joe Biden to go forward. Uh, that's also something we'll be watching as we look ahead to this transition from Trump to Biden. Well, I wouldn't bet 10 bucks on his silence. <laughs> that's for sure. Look, it's a pleasure uh, talking to you, Mike. Uh, Mike Emanuel, Chief Congressional and Senior Political Correspondent at Fox News. And don't forget, if you want to tune into Fox News, it's available via the Fox News International Streaming Platform so you can get a rounded uh, view of what uh, America is reporting. That's Mike Emanuel. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're bringing drugs, They're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. You call women you don't like fat pigs, dogs, slobs, and disgusting animals. Your Twitter account... Only Rosie O'Donnell. Excuse me, sit down. You weren't called. Sit down. Sit down. Touch me, sir. You cannot touch me. I should have used two accounts, one for personal, one for uh, work-related emails. Uh, That was a mistake. I'm sorry about that. I take responsibility. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. Yeah, Donald J. Trump. Uh, We are reflecting on the 20 most influential moments of the past 20 years here on News Talk, as you know, over the past three weeks, as voted by you, the listeners. And here on Lunchtime Live today, we're looking back at the the rise and, well, fall of Donald J. Trump. uh, Donald the uh, J. Trump, I should say. Where were you in 2016 when you found out of the um, election results as they, they came in? I remember standing in the newsroom. It's definitely one of those days you do remember during your career, but you can let us know on 1890-453-106. Jen is with us here on Lunchtime Live this afternoon. Jen, you are American, but you're living here in Ireland when you heard that news in 2016, Trump's election result. Um, what are your memories? Uh, yeah, I'd been in Ireland for a year. 
Um, and I waited up the night before look, looking at the results, and we're beginning to see some troubling things. But I thought, I've watched elections long enough. I'll go to bed, and I'll wake up in the morning, and, and it will be as the pollsters had suggested. Um, and then I woke up the next morning and was completely shocked. Was that the uh, was that the feeling across? A, do you think a lot? Of, like, was what, what what was the reaction when you spoke to people back home? Uh, yeah, I think I think shock was um, completely unexpected. It, the the pollsters hadn't called it that way. Um, a lot of people thought the election was going to go the other direction. Um, for me, um, when I left the states, I was in I was in politics. I was uh, the head of a an organization that was about good governance. So I'd sat over here for a year, not necessarily yet comfortable in my new home here, and watching what was happening in the politics um, back in the States and the, the, watching the decorum slip from what I knew in politics. And would you have, I'm just curious, would you have followed um, the, you know, the kind of pre-election, the campaigning and the, the, the pollsters and, and the reviews and all of that through American media, through American eyes, or would you have followed it here through Irish media? I do a little bit of both. Okay. Um, the, the, the best view is to look at all sources. So, yeah, I would, I would do both. Um, and, uh, you know, it was just shocking the things that were being said. And, and I, I was shocked that the number of people would vote for him after the things he had said. For instance, the 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 Mexicans. Um, we just heard a snippet there at the yeah. uh, you know at the at the, at the outset. Um, let me bring in Brian as well. Brian is here with us too. Brian is originally from Cork, but now I think in, in Pennsylvania. Is that right, Brian? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. What are your memories of uh, Trump's election? We're discussing today why really it was one of the uh, t- most influential moments of the past two decades. Well, I, I remember putting my eight-year-old son to bed that night and he was asking me who was going to win the election and I said Hillary Clinton and it was, you know, it was kind of boys versus girls in our house that night so he was said, but I don't like her and I said, well, it's part of politics. Sometimes the people that you don't like don't get elected and I said to him, well, I like her husband. I said, and he'll probably come up with some good ideas and then woke up at seven o'clock the following morning and was in complete and total shock. Yeah. It's hard to believe it's only, it's, you know, yeah. it was only in 2016 though. You know, in many ways, I feel like it was actually years Sorry. ago. In many ways, I feel like Trump's election as uh, president was actually years ago, not just in 2016. Yeah, I think that a lot of people, um, you know, that I ha- had spoken to over the last few years had just gotten thoroughly sick of politicians. And yeah, Trump has the crass personality, has said some unbelievable things, but... Um, the politicians like to pretend that they never say anything behind closed doors, that, you know, they're perfect. And I think they just, people just, you know, you have the, you have the yellow vests in France and in Ireland and you have um, Sinn Féin and Brexit. And a lot of people are starting to vote against the establishment. And you, you see what happened in Ireland, the establishment, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, who were, you know, blood enemies for years, got together, the establishment did to thwart some populist um you know, a populist wave, and I think there's populist waves are starting to um, bubble up, and I think he was one of the, he was the result of that populist wave. Okay, what do you make of that, Jen? Was Trump's election just a, a result of that kind of people looking for a celebrity, a little bit of populism? Um, I don't know that it's populist. Um, more nationalist is what I'd call it. Um, he he played into what people, the, a fear that people had that 
that uh, immigrants would would bring down the country, and um, I I don't agree with that. And I thought that some of the, the a lot of what he said was outrageous. But there were you know, and I was disheartened to to think that a lot of people liked what he was saying. But I think they did. I think it was a nationalist movement. Were you ever surprised, um, Brian, by the you know kind of the reaction or the coverage of Donald Trump by other countries and international media? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm just fascinated by uh, from from here. I'm fascinated by the Irish coverage of U.S. politics, and um, in particularly like my view with the establishment Irish journalism is they just take whatever comes out of the Washington Post um, and CNN and the journalistic establishment here, and they generally just repeat it. Um, you know, and I've seen a lot of that, particularly with you know sound clips, headlines. It's just right. you know the. It, it, it's just a, a light version of what's being peddled by the establishment. Was it that he was such a different type of candidate, president? Um, we heard, as I said, there, you know, at the start of the piece today, some of the uh, some of the commentary and the things that he'd said, you know, even pre-election and during campaigning and, and the kind of rallies that he had. Is that why it attracted so much coverage, or there was so much interest? Well, you know, he says outrageous things and then he sucks all the oxygen out of the room and everyone pays attention to him. But I think that he was the anti-politician. I think that's one of the reasons why people gravitated towards him because he wasn't, you know, the politicians are always looking to their consultants how to speak properly, how to connect with people, um, how to phrase things. And he just says whatever the heck he wants. And people just felt as if they voted for years and politicians would say things, say whatever the heck they wanted to get into office. And they kind of looked at this guy who was just throwing caution to the wind saying, I'll say whatever the heck I want anyway. I don't care if I get into office. Mm. And that's kind of what happened. Yeah. Do you think did that do him any favours though, Jen? I, you know, I, it got him elected the first time. I, I think that people voted against that the second time around. Um, I, no, I don't think it did. I don't think it did him any favors, and I don't think it did the country any favors. Yeah, I mean, we're now what is it at this stage? Is it two months on uh, post the last U.S. Uh, presidential election? Um, his place in kind of media and his use of social media, even since that, are you sort of surprised by how Donald Trump has reacted since the election? It's hard to be surprised by anything that he does. Um, I am surprised that he continually um, suggests to his followers that the election wasn't valid. Um, and I'm disappointed to see that happening. Um, they, of course, the Electoral College was counted yesterday, so this should be the end of it. But he's still not um, doing what most presidents do, which is step back and appreciate that, that there needs to be a transition period. So, no, I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed. Yeah, I think, Brian, we spoke to you actually here on Lunchtime Live during the presidential election. And and, and, and um, we were talking to you as the, the results were kind of coming in from, from some of the, the key states. But just on that point that Jen, Jen made, the kind of the post-election period now, the aftermath of the, uh, of the US presidential election. Um, what do you make of how Trump has been reacting to all of this? Well, I think if, if, if we were able to listen for four years that Russia stole the election, um, we can listen to Trump for two months mouthing off um, about the election because we had a, a Mueller investigation. We were told Russia caused Brexit. And, you know, we, had, we literally had two years of Robert Mueller special counsel um, because apparently my vote was by a Russian bot. All my friends' votes were by Russian bots um, and the Kremlin. So 
I, you know, we'll just, just put up for Trump Mountain now for another two months and it'll all be fine then when, when Biden's inaugurated. Can I jump in there? Yeah, you can, Jen. Yeah, come, yeah. The left never said that the vote wasn't valid. And at, at no point did we say it was valid or it was not valid. What we said well, we, was we that, the that, the Russian, that there were Russian bots that might have influenced social media um, and that might have influenced people's thinking. We never said your vote was a bot. We, we counted your vote and we accepted your vote. And that's the difference. And now yeah. is that people are saying that those votes, um, most specifically the votes um, for Joe Biden, were illegal. And that's the difference between that election and this election. OK. All right. Well, listen, look, Jen and Brian, thanks for your time here on Lunchtime Live on News Talk this afternoon. Now then. I want to turn once again to our special series, which is exploring News Talk's 20 most influential moments of the past two decades. Every day across the station, we're looking back at different moments chosen by you, the News Talk listeners. Today, we're looking back to the day Donald Trump was elected President of the United States on November the 8th, 2016. What was his term in office and what, what it meant for the US? To hear more, I'm joined by Trump supporter and host of Armed American Radio, Mark Walters. Mark, how are you today? I'm doing great, Tom, and thank you much for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. So tell me, what, what exactly did it mean to you when Trump was, was elected into office? So why were you so happy about it? Well, for Trump supporters around the country, for conservatives in America, let me put it that way, which is, you know, you're, you're talking about a very divided nation. For Trump supporters, it meant putting a stop to a what we believe to be a socialist agenda, uh, which at that time would have been Hillary Clinton coming into the White House. And Trump, as you know, was hated from day one by the left wing, and they've spent the previous four years after his inauguration, actually during his campaign, attacking him with a vengeance. We've never seen that happen to an American president in our history before. So for us, and us, you know, you mentioned I host Armed American Radio. As gun owners in America, we felt uh, a little bit of relief relative to the Supreme Court. We knew what the uh, Supreme Court selections would look like under a conservative president, that uh, Supreme Court justices that would protect our right to bear arms, the Second Amendment which is highly valued by the vast majority of Americans. Forget what the media tells you. But uh, it, so we were relieved uh, that there was what we felt was a stopgap there that put, a, uh, put the brakes and the skids on a, a socialist agenda. Right. One of the big things for you, obviously, is um, the right to bear arms. And that, that yeah. really has become a huge part of your life, isn't it? You've written books about it. You present radio shows about it. Why is it of such major importance to you? Well, it's because it, really because it's under attack. It's an American birthright. We, you have to realize that there are over 110 to 120, probably upwards of 150 million Americans that are gun owners in this country have enjoyed firearms safely and responsibly since this nation's founding. And there is a there is a faction in America that wants to blame every gun owner for the actions of radical criminals. For example, just uh, yesterday was the anniversary of Newtown, that horrific crime that happened in Newtown, Connecticut where a sick, twisted individual took a firearm, stole a firearm that was legally owned by his mother, killed her, shot her in the face, and then went on to proceed to murder 26 people. And the guns in my safe have nothing to do with that crime. And the guns in right. the safes in the hands of over 150 responsibly armed Americans have nothing to do with it. No, we want that to stop more than anyone. And as gun owners in America, we work to stop crimes like that. We work to try to keep guns out of the hands of, of uh, individuals who shouldn't have it. So it's really the vicious attack that we're under uh, as law-abiding citizens that I've dedicated my radio programs right. and my books about uh, fighting for the right to bear arms. Yes, sir. 
Right. So I, I know, you know, for, from our listeners, they'll be going, you know, that you, you representing an opposite view to all. You're arguing that sure. more guns are going to make things safer. And, and I can safely say the majority of people listening to this are thinking the opposite. Less guns will make things safer. And we live in a country where police don't carry guns and we have surprisingly very little gun crime as a result. I you respect know, you your opinion. I respect Ireland, the opinion of your, of your, of your listeners. Yeah, fair enough. If you move to Ireland, you might find it a bit of a, a, a culture shock. What else you get about his presidency, though? I mean, there was talk about, say, the wall, for instance, the, 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 in Mexico, the, the, the idea that he's going to build a wall. How did you mm-hmm. feel about that? Well, what Donald Trump did was something we've not seen a, a politician do. And I think that we can go back to the fact that Donald Trump is not a politician. America, yeah. as you know, is a very divided nation right now, probably more so than you and your listeners might know. Uh, if you live here, you feel it <laughs> a little bit more than what you might get on quote unquote news or, or opinions that you, you see or hear overseas. But this country is very, very divided. The mainstream press in this country is doing a, a terrible job. It's doing a, a, it's damaging the psyche of the nation. And there are millions of Americans, half this country, I want you to think about that. Half of a country of 320 million people are fed up. Well, I would say 320 million people are fed up. Half are fed up with one side, the other half are fed up with the other side. And Donald Trump struck a chord with America first. Stop giving our money away. Stop doing this. Build a wall. Protect us. Stop open borders. Cease illegal immigration. Not immigration, but illegal immigration. People pouring across our border by the thousands per day. Crime and criminals and drugs coming with them. And Donald Trump vowed to stop that. And as conservative Americans, we applauded that. And that was in large measure part of the reason he was elected. Right. Um, and again, and I'm, I'm letting you have your say in this because I think yours is a voice we don't hear often on the radio um, here. I, th- I think, you know, very often it's the opposite that we hear. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued to hear your views. But, but would, you, would you not say that the man who was driving that division was Donald Trump? I, I would say the division started before Donald Trump was even elected. The division, we saw the division and the hate for Donald Trump during the campaign. Now, did Donald Trump egg some things on with his tweets? Oh, yes, there's no question about it. I'm not going to defend a lot of his tweets and so forth. But there's a lot of Americans that loved him, for example, taking on the mainstream media. The media in America is corrupt. It's corrupt. It's been pushing a particular agenda for many, many years. And on my radio programs, we've been calling that out for years and years and years. It's anti-gun. It's anti-conservative. We now have big tech openly censoring Americans' uh, freedom of speech via Twitter, uh, Facebook, Etc. Google, and we know that to be the case. And millions of right. Americans' voices are being shut down. I'm not necessarily agreeing with you, but I, but I hear you. Prop, quite frankly, yeah. Well, I suppose now he's had his four years, and you're you're concerned, I presume, um, with with Biden coming in. Is that a threat? Do you see to to your 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 uh, rights in concern, in relation to your guns? Oh, certainly a threat to our gun rights. Yeah, and you know it's interesting. You're talking to me. I'm in the state of Georgia right now, and if you're following. American yeah, politics, you know that the two senators here in the state of Georgia, Kelly Loeffler and Senator David Perdue, the runoff election, which is on January 5th upcoming very quickly, will determine the fate of the U.S. Senate, whether the U.S. Senate becomes controlled by a Biden administration or whether it remains in Republican hands. So we would have never thought this, but the very state that I sit in right now today holds the key as to which direction the country ideologically from a political standpoint, at least for the next two years, will go. So absolutely, Biden has made it very clear on his own website what he wants to do to gun rights. Uh, you, know, you don't have to take my word for it. You can go to JoeBiden.com. Not enough time to go through it here with you. 
Yeah, but uh, yeah, he has made it very clear. Top of that list, he he possibly plans to ban the AR-14 rifle, which is America's favorite and most popular gun. How would you feel about that? Now, he won't be able to do that. He's admitted himself that he can't do it. You can't here in the United States. A president can't, with the stroke of a pen, ban ban things. I mean, the problem here is with legislation. If you have a Democrat-controlled House, the Democrat-controlled House will absolutely, under Nancy Pelosi, pass whatever gun control laws they want. And a Democrat-controlled Senate, while it will be very, very difficult to get it through, because you have still have Democrats that are that, that value gun rights in America, the Senate would be divided by one vote. That would be a Vice President Harris who would break a tie if you understand American politics. Yeah. yeah Having said yeah. that, it would be tough to get that through. Uh, it's not going to be an easy thing for him to do, but he can use okay. an executive pen to do other things. Finally, just while we have it, just get your view on uh, the election and, and Trump's charge that the election has been stolen from him. How do you feel about that? Well, there's rampant fraud in America and anybody with open eyes. You've got 76 percent of Republicans. You even have up to I've seen polls as much as 30 percent of Democrats who believe that something was amiss. And anyone who's lived here and followed American politics, we've seen you've got to you've got to look back and understand how these elections fold out, what the media did when they called elections. You have to look at just use your common sense. You have states in America, for example, this state alone here where we have videotape footage. You have you, you have uh, votes rolling in in the middle of the night. And when you look back and think it's just not possible, Donald Trump, you have to understand, won 10 million more votes than he did the previous election, more than any sitting president. And it's very but difficult so to his... believe that Joe Biden pulled more votes than Barack Obama while the House pick, Republicans picked up seats across the country. State legislatures, Republican control continued to expand, yet somehow – a Democrat was, right. was elected president. That's what Trump is contesting, and that's you know he's going to have to make that case. Right. Um, even even though that is it's a challenge to the, your entire system, to your Supreme Courts, to it's, it's challenging the, the credibility of all of them by following that. But anyway, you you're going to have to accept he's going away. If he stands again in four years, would you be voting for him again? I absolutely would. Yes, I, I'll, I'll vote for I'll vote for anybody but a Democrat. But you're talking. I'm a partisan. I it's it's, it's who I am. I wouldn't vote for a Democrat ever. So yes, of course, if it were Donald Trump on the ticket. Now, do I believe not? If you want my opinion, I think what will happen is Donald Trump will more than likely announce that he will be running again in 2024, whether or not he will actually be on the ticket or not remains to be seen. Okay. All right. Uh, Fascinating insights. Mark, thank you very much for joining us. That's Mark Waters there, host of Armed American Radio and a Trump supporter who thought Donald Trump's election to the president of the United States in November 2016 was one of the absolute highlights of the 20th century. Now then, um, there will be more coverage of Newstalk's 20 most influential moments of the past two decades. In the heart shoulder, Karen Cuddy will speak to Lee Smith, author, author of The Plot Against the President and The Permanent Coup. And today we're looking back the moment that Donald Trump was elected as the 45th president of the United States of America. Joining me to discuss is the investigative journalist Lee Smith, author of The Plot Against America, of The Plot Against the President and The Permanent Coup. Lee, you're very welcome to the show. I suppose in this century we've had the election twice of George W. Bush, the election twice of Barack mm-hmm. Obama and the election now of Joe Biden. Why in that company does yeah. the election of Donald Trump stand out? I mean, uh, well, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me on today. I, I appreciate it and great to speak to your uh, speak with your audience. Um, I, I, actually, I think at the time in 2016, we didn't understand precisely how important and how influential that moment was. I think at the time in 2016, we believed it was uh, an outlier. It 
expressed the dissatisfaction of the uh, American electorate who said we want someone from outside of the uh, political realm. We want, we want change. We want radical and drastic change. We want something very different to happen. But again, I, I, I don't think that at that time we knew how important that moment was. I think as the Trump administration, uh, as those four years wore on, when we saw the different things that had been happening in the country over the last several decades, uh, and that this is what the Trump administration drew out, either intentionally or not, I think that's what makes it so important. So it's, it's not just 2016, it's how 2016 began and the culmination leading up to 2020. What, what, what were some of those things that, that had been happening in the country that were drawn out under the Trump administration? Spying on Americans, spying on a presidential campaign. I mean, this was going on before the Obama administration. Well, I mean, we know, we, we know what the Bush administration had been doing, uh, warrantless, uh, warrantless surveillance. Uh, and then the, Obama, then the Obama administration institutionalized this as it was uh, pushing the Iran nuclear agreement to market. They were also spying on their domestic opponents. But we saw that this is one of the things that this had been going on during the 2016 presidential campaign. And the idea that uh, American officials, Richard Nixon spied and wiretapped his opponents. Yeah. He, used, he used, however, freelancers. These are people who had worked for the CIA. Um, um, this is not to justify what Richard Nixon did. For uh, the under the Obama administration, however, these were still active officials: uh, John Brennan, James Comey, Andrew McCabe, James Clapper. These were people who were still employed by the government. These were these were America's spy chiefs. These were Barack Obama's spy chiefs. So the idea that these that these resources and programs designed to keep the American public safe from terrorism, from real foreign adversaries, that these had been turned and used to spy on a political campaign. That's a pretty, that's a pretty astonishing thing that, that we learned. Well, was that a case of, when you look back, of, of kind of mission creep, that things like the, you know, the Patriot Act and all of this were brought in with the best of intentions, and then just over time, there, there was no conscious decision, let's, let's, you know, let, yeah. let's overreach here, but it was just a natural conclusion of, of the, the reaction to 9-11. I, I, I think that uh, 9-11, if you want to, I'm, I'm sure you've covered 9-11. We have. It was, of course, it, of course yeah. it was one of our most influential yeah. moments, yeah. Yeah. But you see the different things that have come out of that. I mean, America is really, and I think um, almost entirely negatively, America has been shaped by 9-11. I think that uh, Osama bin Laden just wanted to kill lots of Americans. I don't think he wanted to turn us entirely corrupt and moronic. Uh, and, 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 and that's what's happened. And we've turned on each other. Yes. I don't know if it's, it's, it's the, if it's the natural progression of mission creep, but certainly there was a lot of naivete. There were other officials like Rand Paul, who has been warning against this, but yes, of course, um, you don't have to be the most sophisticated political theorist in the world to understand that once you hand people powerful Mm. programs, they will use it no matter how nice or, or how honest those people appear to be, or actually are, they will use these powerful programs to advance their 
their own power. Yeah, you are reminded of the power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. But to bring it back then, uh, Lee, yes. to, to, yeah. to, to Donald Trump, like, uh, uh, yeah. do you think looking back, and obviously he, he's on his way out of the, the, the Oval Office, yeah. I think uh, interesting today that Mitch McConnell has, has congratulated President-elect yeah. Joe Biden, which seems to kind of right. put an end to this uh, uh, this idea that that's the, the the election result would be overturned, uh, like in years to come, would we look back and think this Trump presidency was an aberration and, and things have gone back to normal the way they were for for better or for worse, yeah. or, or, or will it have long lasting influence? Oh no, I think it has. I think it has very really profound influences. I mean, I'm 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 speaking to you today from inside uh, what Donald Trump has called the swamp inside Washington D.C. And I can tell you that inside Washington, D.C., the establishment Republicans generally believe that things will return to normal. There will be deals to be made and there'll be slight arguments over, uh, mm. over very, very narrow margins. But once you leave Washington and once you get outside into the rest of the country, you realize that people have a very different understanding of what their country is about and who are the people who should lead them uh, so yes it will have it will yeah. has a very very profound impact the, the, the and majority the, and, and sorry to cut across you but the, the majority of those Americans you're talking about did vote for Joe Biden who, who, like as an absolute establishment candidate right but there are 75 million Trump voters who are uh, who are extremely dissatisfied and they've watched what's happened the last four years I, I, again, when we talk about when we talk about uh, different what the elect whether there was election mm. fraud or not, I'd rather not get into that right now. I will say though, however, over the last four years, when you see what's happened, it's very important for people to understand it's not just random claims of election fraud because Donald Trump won. It has to be understood in a series beginning before the 2016 election when Donald Trump was targeted by the FBI on behalf of the Clinton campaign. So that's how Americans see it. It's not just this one thing that seemed to pop up randomly out of the blue. And look, they're resentful, not just, um, they're resentful not just that their candidate was targeted, but they're extremely angry that they feel they've been disenfranchised. We're not talking about 2020. We're talking, we're going back to 2016. This was the yeah. effort starting in 2017 with the intelligence community assessment conducted by John Brennan, the purpose of which was to delegitimize the Trump presidency. Yeah. Now there are 75 million Trump voters. They're not going away. They're not, well, they're not going to lock themselves in a basement. Well, Lee, listen, we might get you back on uh, sometime soon to talk about how you see all this playing out and where those 75 million voters are, are going to turn over the next uh, four years. In the meantime, thank you for your time. Lee Smith, their investigative journalist, the author of The Plot Against the Presidents. <laughs> 